So I hung out with the wrong crowd. And this, this crowd introduced me to Octicon. And I just, I just got hooked, man. It was, it was something that, you know, allowed me to not live in reality and forget about, you know, my, my adversity. And it was a really dark time. And what's wild, Raymond, is, you know, for those who don't know, Octicon is actually a heroin form of a pill. So it's super addicting. Uh, but it's, it's really expensive, you know, spending about $60 a pill and I'll deal one two pills a day. You can see why I lost my house, right? My mortgage is $1,400 a month back in 08. And it's like, do I pay my house bill, my mortgage, or do I get drugs? That's a no-brainer, right? When you're a druggie. Hello, and welcome to the Agent Podcast. With your host, that's me, Raymond Schulzheim. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Agent Podcast. Today, I'm here with my buddy, Daniel Blue, out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Daniel, welcome to the show. Raymond, thank you for having me. Stoked to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, man. I'm glad we finally connected. So, Daniel, normally I ask why real estate, but you have a very different background. Where did it start? Man, it started, I would say when I was 18. When I was 18, I'll tie this back to why real estate, actually. When I was 18, I ended up getting a woman pregnant, got addicted to Oxycontin, and I dropped out of college. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I know I should have gone to school. You know, that was what he told me to do. So I signed up for Dixie State College out in this small little town called St. George, Utah. If you've ever been to Zion National Park, beautiful out there. St. George is about an hour away. So I was just aimlessly walking through life, trying to figure things out. I was really scared about having a kid. And around the same time, I, I got introduced to sales. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up and I was growing. I didn't know I didn't want to live paycheck to paycheck. My parents got divorced when I was 12. Dad moved to Mexico and all of a sudden it was just my mom and I. And my mom struggled financially. Lived in California, high cost of living. She's busting her butt trying to make ends meet. And just financially, we, we hit a time. So I just remember thinking like, I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck forever. And I, I, there's got to be a better way out. And I just remember growing up, I was like, if I can just make a hundred grand, Raymond, if I can just make six figures, I'm gonna take care of you, Mama. Mama, we made it, right? It, you know, it's so naive to think that way. But going back to real estate, I actually made some really good money in sales at 18. And this was 08. And I bought a house. I'm like, okay, I'll make six figures. Let me buy a house. Sounds right. And if you probably know where the end of the story is, is, is coming to right before the market took a crap, right? So I bought a house, not thinking about really good questions when you buy an asset. So how long do I want to hold this asset? What's my exit strategy? You know, what, what, what's the goal with this asset? I didn't ask me this question. I just bought it. And uh, I lost a house, right? You know, the market took a crap no night and I lost my house. It helped that I was, you know, addicted to Oxycontin during this time. So that was my worst investment ever, but my best one because it, it taught and, you know, that's the game of life, right? We live and we learn. I've, I've made a ton of mistakes that try to get better. So can we back up and unpack something? Let's do it. Addicted to Oxy. That's a big epidemic, right? In the world, in life. Addiction itself is a whole conversation. How did you push through that and reinvent yourself, for lack of a better term? Well, let's go to the root. Okay. Usually when we 
go-to advice consistently, right? Alcohol, bugs, right? There's a lot of addiction out there. There's usually a root and there's an issue or something that you haven't uncovered. Yet. And I masked a lot of my pain. For me, it was when my dad left when I was 12. He moved to a different country. We were really close. So when he left, it broke a heart because I didn't know why he left, why he never came back. So it was hard for me to forgive him. And I held on to a lot of resentment, which led me to make bad choices in my teenage years. And then eventually when I was 18, you know, I'm looking at other people to try to influence me because I lacked that father figure in my life. So I hung out with the wrong crowd. And this, this crowd introduced me to Octagon. And I just, I just got hooked, man. It was, it was something that, you know, allowed me to not live in reality and forget my adversity. And it was a really dark time. And what's wild, Raymond, is, you know, for those who don't know, Octagon essentially is heroin form of a pill. So it's super addicting. Uh, but it's, it's really expensive, you know, spending about $60 a pill and I'll bill one to close a day. You can see why I lost my house, right? My mortgage is $1,400 a month back in 08. And it's like, do I pay my house bill, my mortgage, or do I get drugs? That's a no-brainer, right? When you're a druggie. And so I, I tried to get clean for a number of years from oh, end of 07 to 09 is when I used. Been clean since 09. But those two years is where some of my darkest times. And, you know, there's a rock bottom point when we hit a low of a low, there's got to be something that allows us to balance back or just further spiral. Now we're just going through the motions and, you know, we, we don't make that comeback. And God willing, I made that comeback when I had my daughter. I had my daughter when I was 18, turned 19, had my baby. And I was in such a dark place that I actually wasn't at the hospital or when our fellow was born. I was still used. And you know, that's, that's part of my story, part of many mistakes that, I, that I've made and I've, I've started from, but it's my truth. And uh, that's what allowed me to get finally clean. I remember holding my daughter two weeks up and I remember holding her and I immediately thought about my dad. I was like, you know what? My dad was a jerk and he made some really bad decisions. He hurt me, but I, I don't forgive him. And I immediately turned my, my perspective to gratitude. Like gratitude's a, a word you see a lot, right? You're scrolling on Instagram. Gratitude is attitude, this, this, and that, right? Like, that's cool. Like, how deep can you go? And I went really deep that day. I remember thinking, you know what? I'm grateful that I had my dad from when I was born at 12 years old. I'm grateful that he was my soccer coach. I'm grateful that he was a stud dad. Like, I'm grateful that I even had a dad. And I'm also grateful that he left because it taught me how to grow up quicker. It got me closer to my mom. I remember having a victim mentality when I was a teenager. I look at my friend, you know, and Brandon has his dad. And how, how come, you know, other friend over here has his dad going to his soccer, you know, and, and I would come from a place of being a victim, you know, I don't have a dad to you know, drive. I don't have a dad to teach me how to put a tie on, talk to girls. Like, and it sucks. And it changed all that when I had my daughter. So I'm like, I'm grateful that he left because it allowed me to grow up with, it allowed me to get closer to my mom. I'm a mama's boy. Her and I are ultra tight. And a lot of that was because of the adversity we went through together. And it just gave me so much more wisdom because he laughed. And I'm really grateful for all that. And, and I love him dearly. And, and we talk, you know, these days, still lives in Mexico. But, you know, once I forgave him, it finally gave me a different perspective where I could finally get clean. And uh, you know, I was finally able to get clean that year and uh, have it turned back. So, you know, one of the hardest things that I've experienced to do is that when you find yourself at the bottom of a hole, they say the first thing to do is stop digging. Right? So... At what point did you realize that you had to stop digging because you were just getting deeper and deeper and deeper? 
actually November 2009. It was Thanksgiving. And I remember like it was like yesterday. My mom and I were at the house. My daughter Bella was there. She was born in February of 2009. So she's a month old. And uh, my mom and I are, you know, making Thanksgiving meal. And I remember it was like late afternoon. I was like, hey, mom, I gotta go grab a Red Bull or a Monster. Whatever drink was more we were back in 09. There's no bang back then, right? There's no five-hour energies. At least not that I can remember. Or monster. Anyways, I made up a lot. I was like, I'm going to go to the gas station and go get a energy drink. I was like, I left the house and I immediately called my regulars to find pills. I was out that day. No one picked up the phone. Imagine that, Raymond. All the drug dealers are having Thanksgiving meals with their family. They're not trying to sell pills. But no one's picking up. And after a few hours, it's being a scavenger throughout the town and trying to figure out where I can get my fix. It got to the point where I realized, so I was like, I'm not going to score. I'm not going to get what I need. And I remember pulling up back to the house, about to walk in. And I turned off the ignition, turned off the car. And I finally had like a real conversation with myself as far as like, you know, because at this point, I already forgave my dad. I already had Bella, you know, so my heart was more soft. I was more receptive. I was had a more sense of awareness at this point, I had more accountability at this point. So I think the talk I finally had with myself finally resonated where I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're about to walk in this house and your daughter's six months old and she doesn't know you're drug. Like, you keep saying you want to get clean for her, but dude, you need to do something because if you don't do something now, she's going to be in first grade. She's going to be at middle school. She's going to be graduating high school. And is this the example that you want to set? You know, my, my whole thing, Raymond, is you know, when I had my daughter, I was like, I don't want to do what I did to my, my daughter, to what my dad did. I want to be that absent father. Like, there, you know, I got to break the, the, the chain. You know, I don't want to get divorced from my wife. I don't want to leave my kid. You know, I wanted to break the cycle. And I just remember, I was like, dude, you're just full of shit. Like, you're doing the same thing. So, like, you got to stop now. And I just took that day. I was like, okay, I am not using today. So I know tomorrow I'm going to withdraw. I know the next day I'm going to withdraw. Let me just get through these withdrawals and let me just get past this. And I know I need to get out of the city for me to get clean because I wasn't able to get clean staying in St. George. I was around the same friends. I had the same people in my phone, in my phone as far as contacts. Like I tried to get clean three or four times and it just didn't work. So I knew I needed to change my environment. And guys, if you're in a, in a, in a tough spot right now and you feel like you're not able to really get ahead and you're in a funk and it's been like that for a while now, I encourage you to think about, you know, how long have you been in the same spot that you've been, you know, how long have you been in that city? And sometimes it takes being in a completely different environment to get different results. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not advising you to go move to South Dakota, but maybe a change in apartment, I help you. And, and it did for me, I moved from St. George in November, 2009 to Las Vegas of all places in city. I moved to Las Vegas to be a clean and uh, change their environment for me and you know, I've been clean since 09 and just said, I haven't looked back. So one of the questions that I like to ask my guests that have been through a lot of adversity and are very honest and truthful with their journey and where they've been is what do you do when you don't know what to do? When you feel empty or lost or you don't know whether to go right or left and you're at you know a three-way intersection, do when you don't know what to do? How do you dig deep and how do you find direction? I think you know what direction you need to go. You're just afraid of going that the right direction because you're afraid of failing. And you're probably afraid of failing because you're afraid of what other people are going to think. 
So you know what you need to do. Like you're smart. You have life experience. You've made mistakes. You've had some wins. You've done some good things. You might just be on a losing streak right now, but you know what you need to do. And a lot of it's just the fear of the unknown, the fear of what other people are going to think. And you just eventually have to get past your, your excuses. Right? Like that's, that's what I had. I just had excuses that held me back from being the best person I could have been for her. That's why I made a lot of bad choices. I knew what I know what I needed to do. I just had excuses that outweighed my commitment. If your excuses outweigh your commitment, whatever you want to achieve, then you're going to keep being in that three-way intersection and not know whether to go straight up or right. You know which way you need to go, though. But are your excuses going to outweigh your commitments? I love that. I think that's 100% truth. All right. Thanks for sharing all that with me. I'd love to hear your journey from 2009 to where you are today and what that looked like and what you're doing today. Yeah. So funny thing, funny little story. I'm here in my office in Las Vegas and I, I drove my 2006 Mazda 3. It's got 197,000 miles on it. And, you know, I'm super fortunate, right? Like I'm not, I don't consider myself uber successful. I haven't figured it out, but I'm, I'm blessed to have a pretty business. I've employees, you know, we're, we're pretty excited about what we're doing here. One, I'm not a big car guy, so it's not like I'm driving. I don't like Lamborghinis or like that. So I don't even know if I want to do. Where I'm going with all this is when I got clean at 09, very first car I bought after that was the Mazda 3. And I, just, I can't let go of it, Raymond. Like, you know, I've got other cars that I, that I, I love, but I just got to take out the Mazda 3 a couple of times a week. And it's just a, a reminder of where I've been and, and it helps me with gratitude. So when I got done in, in 09 in St. George, I moved to Las Vegas. I landed a, a sales gig out here and started just get back on my feet. You know, I, I still made some mistakes. One of the very first mistakes was credit. You know, I was 21 at the time and I'm like, I need credit cards, cash, you know, and that hurt me because, you know, you probably know better than uh, out there, Raymond, like leverage and credit is massive, right? Like credit is a game. So I, I struggled doing some rookie moves. Like if I were to tell myself when I was 18, 19, I would say, build your credit. Set up an LLC, you know, maximize your taxes. So I made some knucklehead decisions on the financial side. And when I was 20, 21, I was making pretty solid money in sales and in getting up into leading teams and management, things like that. Um, and I started learning from my mistakes, you know, in my early 20s, my mid-20s. I started figuring out the credit game, setting up LLCs, you know, not only with my, my money. Started saving money, started investing money. And I was in the real estate sales space. And I, that's where I got introduced to the, the concept behind our problem that we solve in the marketplace is we help people access money in their retirement account penalty and tax rate. And I remember when I was like 20, hearing clients say, yeah, I just used my 401k to buy this real estate property. Like, wait, you could do that. So this concept of using a retirement account outside the stock market was beating them. I remember hearing about that. And I eventually pivoted from the sales space into the self-directed arena. I was like 23, 24, and I'll be 33 this year and in space since, since then. So coming up on 10 years and I worked for a company for a number of years. I was blessed to be around a lot of smart people, 
college. And I got to a point where I had enough money set aside and enough credit set aside. And that's the right word. Confidence slash risk taker slash I'm in Las Vegas. So I think a good analogy is like, let me just put all the chips on the table. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I can start this thing on my own. I think I could start a business. And three years ago, with the, the business model that I've described as far as helping people tap into their retirement accounts penalty and tax free. And we can feel like we're onto something because a lot of people aren't aware that it's cool exists. So what are you doing to educate people? How are you going to market? You know, how are you accessing an audience to show people a different way? So we want to attract solopreneurs, rural side hustles, people that have some kind of business activity going on because then they qualify for what's called a solo 401k, as long as they don't have any W-2 employees. And solo 401k is the vehicle that we really educate a lot of our people on. So we've got a lot of strategic relationships with a lot of awesome affiliates of ours, pro partners. So we know if we have a relationship with a company that sells business funding, then that audience probably would resonate with us, right? Like they're already working with this company to help them get a line of credit or a loan from the bank to, to flip a house, right? So we've got a lot of different referral partners that will allow us to do what we do. And everything we do is over the phone. You know, we've got customers in, in all 50 states. I remember we had somebody out of the Bay, she was a realtor. So if you're a realtor and you have 1099 income and maybe you have an LLC, S-Corp, and as long as there's no W-2 employees in your businesses and you qualify for a solo 401k, I think she was either a, a, a broker or a, a realtor. She's making pretty good money. She had an IRA at the time and she wanted to use the money in her IRA to invest in real estate. She goes to her financial advisor and says, hey, I want to use $100,000 of my money to invest into this real estate. Can you help me? He's like, no, I can't. She's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you can't do that in this account. Well, I want to do it. He's like, well, you can't do it. But well, I'm just going to take the money out and invest it in this real estate deal. Ends up doing that. She withdraws $100,000 out of the account and then invested into this real estate deal. She got nailed in like 30, I think it was like 40% penalties and taxes because she's out in California. So she ends up losing thirty dollars to $40,000 giving it to the IRS, right? So she takes out $100,000 right. Now she's left, what, $60,000, $70,000 after taking that impact it. And then she uses her 60K to invest in real estate. So when we talk to her and we explain how we can help, she's like, oh my gosh, you're saying I could have taken the hundred thousand that I had with my financial advisor in my IRA, moved it into a solo 401k. And now I have a hundred thousand in my solo 401k and I can use that money to invest into real estate and, and not have to pay any penalties and taxes on that transaction. I'm like, yep. She's like, why did my financial advisor tell me this? would take money off the transaction. Right? So there's this whole world that exists out there that financial advisors and a lot of CPAs are not going to tell you. And a lot of it has to do with, they just don't make money off of this transaction. So can we dive into that a little bit? Because I think one of the struggles, you know, you, you go to real estate school, you get your license, and then you're on your own and you have to figure out the business. Some people are lucky enough to have mentors. Some people invest in themselves and get good coaches and they grow their business. But I'm always wondering like, what is it that I don't know, right? Like I ask myself on a regular basis, I know what I know, but I also wanna be aware of what I don't know. So if somebody 
if somebody's in that situation or if somebody's thinking about making an investment in real estate and I don't know, maybe the wife's a real estate agent, broker, whatever, and the husband has like a, a typical job with a 401k in it, what are some questions that you have to ask yourself to get better or figure out what you don't know? Like, do you have a process? Do you have a, a, a checklist? How do you get educated so that you become more aware? I guess that's what I'm looking for. Like, how do you create more awareness, right? For instance, in her case, she didn't know what to ask her financial advisor of like, hey, is there another way to do this that I don't get these penalties? And maybe he would know an answer. Maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he would have lied, right? Who knows? But how do you, how do, you do that? You know, yeah. like, what does that look like? It's a really good question. That's why, you know, I'm only three years into business, right? So my business is relatively new. So a lot of my money is going back into the business. And I'm at a point in my life, Raymond, where I would rather invest money into a, a coaching program, a mastermind program, than buy a new car. You know, I'm going to buy a $40,000 car or they're going to invest $40,000 to do this mastermind program. Those have been, that's been a game changer for me over the last few years. I, I don't know what I don't know, right? But if I can be in a room of higher caliber people, this guy does insurance, this guy does roofing, this lady does HR, uh, they do tax credit, right? Like when you're in a room like that, it's awesome, right? Because you, you don't know what you don't know, but when you have to get exposed to it. So a shortcut is, is, is finding coaching programs, finding networking programs, mastermind programs to surround yourself with other people. So then that way you can hear, you know, really what's going on and, and get informed. There are some really good groups on Facebook as well. Same concept. Obviously you want to fact check or thing called Google, right? But we don't know what to Google if we don't know what to Google. You know what I mean? So we have to get the idea somewhere. And I get a lot of these ideas from coaching programs, you know, basically you just got to build a network, you know, and a great way to build a network is adding value on, on social media, you know, commenting on other people's posts that, you know, you, you, you want to, you know, have some kind of synergy, you want them in your ecosystem. And it takes a little bit of time, but you know, if you're intentional on, you know what, I, I want to be farther ahead financially than where I am now. That means I have to surround myself with people that know more than me. People are out there, right? Like they have YouTube channels, they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're out there. So it just takes some commitment on, on your end. That's kind of a hard question to answer, Rand, because Wall Street has it rigged against you, right? Like your financial advisor, most of the financial advisors, there's some good ones out there, but most of them, when they talk to you once a year, it's, hey, do you want to invest more money, right? Like they're not really proactive. And that's why I love what we do. We're not financial advisors. I'm not here to pitch investments. We don't sell investments. We sell solutions to your problem. And, and maybe your problem right now is, you know, you'd like to liberate your retirement account and use it to invest in real estate. And you know, you can't do that with Fidelity. You can't do that with your 401k, right? So we can help you with that problem. We give you a solution. Or maybe you, know, you want to start a business, you know, you got the, the great resignation right now, right? Right. When people are leaving their jobs, that means they have 401ks from their old employers. A lot of these people are quitting their jobs to start a business and they need 10, 20, 30 grand, you know, to start their business. You know, I was just actually talking to someone yesterday where he needs like $20,000 for a truck because he's going to get a food truck for his new business. 
Well, instead of going to the bank and getting a loan, well, no, getting a loan for a new business is really hard. Really the only option you have on a new business since you don't have income verification or you know tax returns is a credit card. So instead of using a credit card, he can just access the money from his retirement account penalty and tax free and, and take out $20,000 there and invest it into his trucking business. Now, you know, he's starting his dream business using his retirement account. So really it just comes down to where are you in your life? What are you trying to accomplish? You know, is it, you need some working capital for your business. Maybe you have some high interest rate credit card that you need to pay off. You know, maybe you want to get, get into the real estate game with your retirement account. So a few different ways that, that, that you know, the direction go. I love it. That's really good stuff. What, what advice would you give an agent that has had success and they're just getting going in their business and they're looking to set up for that next phase? It sounds like some of the solutions that you offer may be a viable candidate for, for, for future pacing, if you will. Is that accurate? Yeah. One, don't be a knucklehead like me and spend more than you make, right? It's really easy, especially when you get a 20 grand, 30 grand commission check to just spend what you make, right? Like you're just in that hustle mode where you're like, oh, dude, I was closing our deal next month. I was closing our deal next quarter. And the more money you make, the more money you're spending, right? So your lifestyle keeps increasing as your income keeps increasing. And uh, yeah, I think it's just a wise move to live below your means and spend way less make and invest the rest, save the rest, right? Until you can start making passive income. So, you know, one thing that I would encourage people that are making really good money in real estate and more specifically what you're saying for an agent and then their income, they're responsible for their taxes, right? So one thing they could do, depending how much money they're making, they could contribute up to $58,000 a year into a solo 401k. And that's a game changer. One of two reasons why. One, they can put in fit that 50K and it be tax deferred, meaning they put in 50K and that 50K is now a write off here. It's a tax deduction. Now their taxable income gets decreased by 50,000. They're going to get a huge tax benefit, right? Like, you know, their tax brackets 20%, 30%, 20, 30% on 50K, what, 10, 15,000, give or take. Right? So they would get that immediate benefit right there. Plus they are building up their savings, right? That 50K and their solo 401K can now grow and pop on interest, all that kind of fun stuff. Keep in mind though, that first scenario, you're kicking the can down the road. Eventually when you pull the money out, you're going to pay taxes on them. But it grows tax deferred, right? Growing tax free until you pull the money out. That's scenario one. Scenario two is, and this is probably one of my favorite ones, is the Roth contribution. And the solo 401k, if you make enough money, you can contribute up to $58,000 a year. And it could be a Roth contribution into the solo 401k. And if you put 50000 into a Roth solo 401k, you don't get the tax benefit up front, right? So you don't get the uh, deduct that 50000 it gets your income that year, not a tax write-off. So you're going to claim that fifty k as income still. However, if that 50000 were to grow to 500000 over a period of years, that 500,000 is now 100% tax-free. You never have to pay taxes on the money. So you're paying taxes on the 50K ones. You're paying taxes on the seed, but then that seed grows into a harvest and it grows 100% tax-free. Who doesn't love tax-free money? 
Yeah. So in that case, right, time and the market theoretically has to be your friend in order for that to work. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about the solo 401k is you get a lot of investment options. If, if you like the stock market, you like Elon Musk, buy Tesla. If you want to do syndication and private lending and invest into multifamily, you can do that. If you, if you want to really get risky, you can buy crypto. If you want to do precious metals and you think the world is ending tomorrow, buy precious metals, right? Like you, you can, you know, I'm not here to give financial advice, but I love the solo 401k because it has so many options. You can invest your money in private equity, private businesses, so many different places. I love it. That's cool. That's great. Thanks for the education on that. What, uh, what's some life advice that you can pay forward to our audience in general, like from, from your perspective, right? Like you went through some challenges, you went through adversity, you've learned a lot of lessons, the hard way school of hard knocks, so to speak. And you've been able to climb out of that hole. And now you're on a mountain building a business for yourself, learning the lessons, implementing the lessons. You know, you got a lot of amazing years ahead of you. One of the things that I think that you can offer is that you have kind of a blueprint for success. You know, I think you're, you've written a book and you have a lot of different stuff going on. You have a killer podcast. I love your podcast. We'll give that a shout out in a minute down the road, but uh, what are some things, what's some life advice that you'd like to pay forward and share? You know, I think no matter where you are in, in your life, maybe some of you more than others is you really care about what other people think about it. and it prevents you from taking action, prevents you from doing something different prevents you from thinking forward about if I do this, what are they going to do? Or if I don't do this, what are they going to do? And it stunts your growth. And someone once told me this that really resonated with me. So I can't take credit for this, but no matter what you do or don't do, 40% of people automatically are not going to like you. 40% will like you. 20% are on the fence. How you show up, that 20% is either going to like you or not like you. Depending on how you show up, show up, like just be you, stop comparing yourself to other people. You're you, only you, and just show up and just know no matter how you show up, 40% of people automatically aren't going to like you and 40% will, right? So just find your tribe, find the people that vibe with you, the people that don't. I love it. I think that's a brilliant advice. Daniel, where can people find you, man? Best place would be danielblue.me, danielblue, B-L-U-E dot me. That website's got a bunch of free information, a bunch of content. So you can also check out my book if you like, called Blueprint to Your Best Retirement. It's on Audible or, you know, hardcover, Kindle, whatever. Close your boat. And then as you mentioned earlier, I appreciate you bringing up a podcast called How Winners Win. A lot of fun with that. The mission there is to help people win in their personal life, their entrepreneurial lives or financial lives. That's been a lot of fun. And we're on Apple and Spotify and all the major platforms. You can podcast there. And then, you know, if I've got your wheels turning, if you're like, holy cow, I've had this 401k, I've got this IRA, I have no idea. I could access my account, penalty and tax free. My website give you some really good information on you know, how you can learn more or, or take some action. And then all my social media handles uh, are on my website as well. And I'm, I'm pretty good on that media. Daniel Blue, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, same profile picture, dark hair, thick eyebrows in Las Vegas. I think that's probably, you know, the only kind of dude with Daniel Blue in Las Vegas. I love it. Daniel, this has been great, man. Thanks for the education. Appreciate your time and look forward to doing this again. I appreciate you, Raymond. Thank you so much for having me on your show. 
Hey guys, it's Ray. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you on the next one. Bye.